When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. This is unbelievable. College basketball. Incredible. You know they're going to try to run back door play if they can get it. Under 10. Back door. Goes out. Here's Davis. Davis for the win. He's got it. Princeton is going to the NCAA tournament. This is part two of a conversation with Pete Carrill. Really think that you're going to enjoy this because Coach has provided um, so many stories for those of us that have played for him, but also for many people that are interact with him on a day to day basis here at Princeton. And I felt like uh, the best way to do this was to capture him in sort of two parts. So um, I'm here we go. We're uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Coach Carroll. When you arrived, did you have a sense of what this would all be? You came to Princeton. It's nineteen sixty-eight yeah. fall. You know, so well, this is a tough question. But yeah. twenty-nine years later, you're you retire. Yeah. You know, we, you you're in the Hall of Fame. Right. You're in the NCAA College Hall of Fame. You're in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. What did you foresee? What do you remember thinking like this I, could be I a long? I never thought that long. You know, I uh, if I had known what was going to happen to me, I'd be a little more fearful about taking a job. I mean, I, you know, I, it, I never had 
I never had trouble getting along with people. A lot of it was because I didn't care if I did or not. And uh, What do you mean, I, what would happen to you? Well, you, you know, first of all, there was, there was definitely a culture clash there with what I experienced at Reading and what I experienced here. In when you talk about uh, bicker and all that kind of stuff and guys were more interested in what club they belonged to and everybody said that the, close was cl the team was close-knit and it wasn't anywhere near what I had experienced at, at, uh, at Reading and Lehigh for only the year I was there. So I had adjustments to make. We'd, we'd go recruiting and... We were recruiting against North Carolina and Duke and schools like that, and we got wiped out every time. And then we went down a notch. And then you'd see uh, Syracuse. We we got beat for a guy from Syracuse, and we lost a guy to Rutgers, you know. And so you'd see you had to go down another notch because— What it, do you think that—what that, was the, you, you know, know— Some of it was that I was unknown. Some of it, I mean— I was not a famous guy. There are a lot of people in this town that, that thought I shouldn't have the job. And uh, so uh, that was one of the things. And the second thing is it was getting more costly to go to school here. It was getting harder to get into school. Do you remember the cost of tuition? Uh, yeah, it was around $8,000, right? $8 to eleven. I mean, my son went here, and I, I got a stipend of 750 bucks, <laughs> which wasn't too much. But anyway, uh, what I, I, I had, I never, I wasn't, I wasn't overly confident, but I always felt that I could do something good. I always thought we could win. And uh, I, I had terrific kids in it. What happened was that, Brian Taylor come along, and then Teddy Manakis and Andy Rimmel and John Berger, guys like that. And then when, when I got uh, Mickey Stoyer and Armand and Peter Malloy, they, uh, they, they came there with, with um, from experience programs that won, and then, uh, then Frank Zawinski and his class, Omachenko, mm -hmm. and Bobby Roman, those guys, they came in together, and we found a way to play that they, they where they could win and they were good they were successful and a lot of that was cerebral right so we 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 one year we were we were out rebounded 27 times the whole year how can you how could we were 23 and 4 in that that year and so how can you do that unless you shot well and you uh didn't commit any turnovers one of the beautiful things about playing for you is that, you know, you you have an encyclopedic knowledge. It also works against you as a current player sometimes. But you talk about the um, those guys, those teams in the 70s. In particular, right. I think you're very close with right. uh, a number of the guys you just mentioned. Right. But that, that 75 team seems to me that um, that was also – you know, you're close. You're close with that group, but you were you were younger, right? Um, and you maintain a real close friendship with a lot of those guys today. But it right. seems to me that there that was, I think, maybe listening to you that that's when you felt like you really started to understand right. what you needed to do. You're right. You're right. We lost to Arkansas in a heartbreaker, where we 
we should have won. That. This would have been uh, the '91 yeah. team, right? Yeah. We we had lost to uh, Georgetown before then, '89, and then Arkansas was better than mm-hmm. Georgetown '99. Yeah, and one of the rules we made was we were going to have to play in back of them. Behind the post, right behind the post, mm-hmm. you couldn't you couldn't front them because our weak side help was too short, and you couldn't get there to disturb anybody. And you had a, the feeling was you have to make them shoot a shot to beat you. And it worked perfect till the last minute. We're up by one, a minute and thirty seconds ago, or something like that, and we were working a high side. The guy goes in there, makes a layup, and he fouled him. And then they got the rebound on the missed foul, so we lost by four. But I, I didn't, I didn't get angry about that game because what happened was they, I could see that they had given an account. They gave everything they had, and you can, you can be happy. Hmm. And um, and of course, the last year when you guys were at school, there, there was a lot of dissatisfaction that year on the team. This was 1996. Right, and uh, how 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 we ever won at, at uh, Lehigh in the, in the playoff yeah, yeah, game? Ended up beating right, uh, right. the yeah, in the right. playoff game. But we had we were playing them so badly. Gabe Wells was terrific. Chris Chris Doyle was mm-hmm. terrific. You know, played great. And but we we couldn't handle a pick and roll. That should have been a that should have been a story that that we could have worked on. I, I watch on. I watch the way uh, you coach and the help you get from your assistants. It's just good, really good. They, they, and you have these meetings where they, they tell you things that you you have to consider. Well, we didn't do that enough. And we, uh, I remember telling Stevie, don't let don't don't have him give, take a three. You can't let yeah. him hide behind the screen. You got to go out there and. He, didn't quite make now, it. Steve doesn't like this story, but we still talk about Ira Bowman made a three right. at the top of the key made to send the game right. in overtime. And in overtime, then we I remember you being very upset. Oh, yeah. And I understand that a lot better but, now. I mean, at the time, at the time I, I told Stevie, at the, at the, when I knew I was retired, I wrote it on the board there at Lehigh that I wasn't coming back, I was retiring. I told him that that's the kind of mistake you don't know, you, you, you don't always pay for it. You make a mistake like that. Sometimes you don't pay for it, but he did at the time. And what I told him at the time, I don't know if quite anybody understood it properly, that that's the kind of mistake you don't want to ever make. And you have a chance now to not ever make that mistake again, right? So I don't know whether he did or not, or, uh, but that, that was a very important point for that kid to learn. But I liked him a lot. He's a good, really good kid. Mm-hmm. Your, your team was very easy to like, right? And then the, uh, that was the end of it. Well, you got you got all the way up to the end, but I, I want to talk about a couple specifics. But uh, the matchup, you know, when you played, did, you got a lot of steals, right? And the matchup, you know, and I like to tell people, you know, there's a there's a defensive philosophy out there, a way of playing a system called the pack line defense, which right. is a very Methodical. There's a imaginary line, if you will, that's 16 feet away from the basket. It sort of goes. It arcs just like the three-point line. That's that's a line that the offense never gets into that line. And I always tell people, you know, 
while I, while I played for you, we lo- we were the best defensive team in the country. We were number one in scoring defense, and I don't know if we worked on. We didn't have defensive drills every day, and it was it was what you taught us to see. And, right. and I think that a lot of that stemmed from the matchup. And uh, c- can you talk a little bit about well, the genesis of the matchup for right. you? It, uh, we started out with a one-two-two zone, which for ten years was very effective because. Everybody tried to attack the zone the same way. They had a one-guard front there, and any any, any one-guard front, I don't care what you do, uh, you, you can get into a zone that'll stop it every time. It's when they, when they have a two-guard front. That's two guys on the outside, and you have to decide you, what, who's going to guard that guy and what you're going to do with your point guard who's out at the point. And that, we lost the game to New Mexico State in the finals of their tournament. We played very well. And that that really exposed that because that guy, somebody was hitting threes out of the corner, and we couldn't get them one time. And eventually that was the, the flaw of the defense, and then we changed it. So if they threw a cross-court pass, we called that two, and then you'd go into a two-three zone. That, And then... It, it, what happened? It, it came. It became what I call scramble legs. We lost sight. We had to go back to our man for man. And um, then we, we put in the zone for UCLA in mm-hmm. four days. And of course, we we counted on the fact that they were a, a, a very strong team. They'd like to get the ball inside. So that that zone at the time, I've got a lot of compliments on that. That was rare that we stopped outside shooting. They couldn't understand how we stopped outside shooting and how we prevented the ball from going to the post. A lot of it was caused by the way they attacked the zone, but most of it was have an idea. You have to have an idea what they're trying to do to score against you. What are they trying to do? And then where are the passes coming from? And what passes can you defend, disturb, and one pass, what kind of pass you're wasting your time? So this is this is what how you talk right. during practice. So right. this is, if you don't mind, like so what when you, you used to stop practice a lot, mm-hmm. like and what do you see? Right. Was a you know a right. favorite phrase? Like did you? And a lot of it sometimes was with was methodical. It was right. well thought out. I mean, I know that you were trying to get us to see, and I always felt like. You're preparing the team to win against the best teams. Right. I always said that. Right. I think I always tell. I always, <laughs> I always told you that. You, you, you. I'm preparing you to beat the team you're playing. Mm-hmm. I don't care who it was. And um, that could have been a suicide mission, but I never, I never looked at it that way. And so that's that. That's a gift. I, I think that's a gift. You have. And I look for that since you've been coaching here for guys that have ability to see that. Like Spence. Spencer, he sees in advance what's going on. Like Amir, they they have it. They see that. That's important in your defense because it gives you an edge when you know what they're trying to do. Right? And then you have to keep your body in front of your man, which is one of the hardest things to do in basketball. And then I think you have to use your hands. And we discussed that earlier today. 
And you've you've and you've, I got uh, the, you've convinced I, me. I, well, it took long enough. What happens? Yeah. Uh, a I got picked it up at, at graduate school. The professor I told you about was the best guy ever. We're talking about Thomas Jefferson and uh, the, the role of the colonists and the leaders in education. And he, his expression was the, the education of the discretion. How do you teach what you're supposed to do, what's wise to do? And so if a person doesn't have that, doesn't have that, then he's not going to be ready to, he's not going to be ready to, to do what has to be done. You, you have to see that, all right? And so don't take away his chance of doing it. This is the main point. If you say, don't, in, in basketball, they say, don't reach, don't reach, don't do that. You know, keep, you know all those rules they have, but this is, you can't always do that. So if you can't always do that, then you tell them, well, we don't want to do that. And I'm saying that when they can't do it, see if you can teach it. Right. You get, you're touching on something that I think is really important about you is, is you believe in change. Oh, yeah. People yeah. changing. And right, right. You had a phrase sometimes two weeks into practice where you'd be trying somebody at forward that was right. a guard or right, a, right. somebody at center that was a forward, and you'd say the grand experiment is over. Right. But it really wasn't. You were always trying to right. get somebody to believe that, hey, can you do this? Right. Well, I, I always felt, I mean, that lesson it, it had nothing to do with basketball, but it's, it's a lesson to remember. If, if a person, it's like voting. The guy doesn't know how to vote. So if you don't know how to vote, you take a test, you, you don't know how to vote. You don't know what's going on. So don't let him vote. That's ridiculous. So a guy doesn't know how to vote, well, teach him how to vote. Don't tell him what to, who to vote for, but show him what, give him some evidence of what to vote for. And I think that's true of everything. Show him how to do If you can't do something, try to show him. And some can learn it and some cannot. But you don't want to give. I don't think you want to give up on that philosophy, because you're going to make you're going to be more successful than not in showing guys, and especially using your hands. Your hands are three feet long, and there's another one. Don't reach, don't reach, because you you foul too much. And my thing was, go ahead and reach, but don't foul. Show them how to reach without fouling, or never foul a jump shooter. If you don't follow, if you don't contest a jump shot, he, he's going to make it. Well, show him how to contest a jump shot to prevent him from fouling. You can do that. All that can be done, and we try to do that. And that's why, for the longest time, we were uh, really good on defense. Mm -hmm. We, we, the other teams were more physical than us, but we, I felt we used our brains a little bit more. Oh yeah, and so that was a factor. I felt like you know, I'm not, I never was a good shooter. When I got here, uh, you know, shooting, obviously there were a lot of really good shooters in the program, but you mentioned that you took a lot of shots in college. But this was your team's, all of your team shot the ball very well. What 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 was it that, you know, you, you generally taught us how to mm -hmm. shoot a set shot, mm -hmm. but it was... A stab, right. Well, what was it about shooting that... Uh, you know, I've always I've, I've watched you sort of grab somebody and, you know, within a few days, that shot is going in a lot. Well, uh, 
Actually, when I was coaching you, I didn't I didn't do as well a good a job at that as I should. <laughs> That's not your fault. All right. All right. But uh, I th- I think I've you, you learn. I've I've been learning since watching you coach. I'm learning things watching you coach. My mind is not closed to learning. All right. And thank God I I never thought I knew more than anybody else. All right. And I it seems like that that. I consider that an asset, right? That I could think my way through things and see how I could do better. And I watch you. What you're spending more time on shooting than I did, and it's showing up. It's showing up during the course of the game. I was in the service with a guy that played at Kentucky, and he said that Adolph Rupp spent one hour on spot shooting. That's a long time for one single thing. And, of course, we lost to them one time. They were making 25, 28-foot shots, and it, it worked. You could see what he was doing. And so, so, and as I go along now, I, and shooting has become more important now than ever because the pace of the game is faster. And then the clock. The clock is a factor of why we we were so successful, I don't know that it's so hard to be successful anymore. Mm. Right. So when you coached uh, for a large part of your career, it was a forty-five second 45 clock, second and then it right. towards the end of your career it went to a thirty-five second clock. 35, now it's right. of course now the clock's at thirty. Thirty. Now it's hard. See, now for example, for you, nobody still wants to play you, uh, mainly because uh, they're worried about losing. Right. And they don't want to play a team that moves the ball around. Why should you play a team that knows what they're doing when you can play against a team that doesn't know what they're doing? <laughs> you have a better chance. So that's why you're having a hard time. I, I know you, when you get on a phone call, like Villanova, they should play you. Villanova, LaSalle, right around here, you should be able to play. We used to play St. John's. And... Uh, then we had that win over lost to, to us, Georgetown. I guess who it was, I don't forget who's in charge, and I'm not sure if it's true or not. That he just said, "Don't ever play anybody. Don't ever play anybody in the Ivy League you want, but don't play Princeton." And so that's true, except for Syracuse, they would play us, but it had to be there. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know how I got on that subject. What? But, uh, yeah. Well, you've. You talked about, um, you know, the being being open minded. I mean, we, right. we I, sometimes I think you did it as a joke, but you would say I'm, you know, I'm right, eighty six, eighty seven percent of the that's, time. That's, right? a, and, that's uh, another lesson I got from uh, paying attention. Mm-hmm. And they had, a, they had a president here, Bob Goheen, and he was a, uh, really a scholar. And I, I don't know that he understood what I was doing, you know. But I understood what he was doing. And he made a statement one time that that his father was a missionary uh, in in India, and he that he learned that at that time they felt whether it was the Indians or whether it was himself that they didn't want to be more than eighty five percent right. 
And because if you are, if you insist on being right, a lot of times you're going to have to lie to be 100%. And they're, they're, they're what I call true believers. And my motto is to stay away from them because you're going to, they're going to fail and they take their friends down with them. So if I, you, you got to admit you you got to admit when you make a mistake, but a lot of guys don't want to do that. See? And uh, I don't know that I, I don't, I don't, I'm not in, I don't think I'm in that camp. If I was, I've since learned that I'm not in that camp. When I make a mistake, that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't, just don't make too many of them. <laughs> that's it. Right. You know, you, you mentioned earlier, and you know, you and I have talked about this, and uh, you know, playing for you was one thing, but coming back now as the coach and being in the relationship that you and I have, it's very different. Right. It's, it's, it's it's much nicer. Mind, this I mind my own business. <laughs> well, no, no, but I, I would say, like, I, it's not. You know, if you asked every guy that ever played for you, what mm. were what was the things that made you? made you such a good coach, there would be a lot of different answers. But they would all add up to sort of something similar, which is you're honest. Mm-hmm. You told people what, exactly what you thought. Most every guy, and I've talked to a couple of former players, the first thing they say is that on their recruiting visit, you told them what they weren't good at. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to attract, and this is the, one of the beauties of one of the most amazing things to me about Princeton basketball is seems to attract a pretty humble guy. Somebody that's willing to listen to some criticism. Would you agree with that? Yes, I do. I do. Was that purposeful? Yes. Yeah. I, I think. I think what I did was try to help them. Like I'd say, uh, um, whether whether uh, you come here or not, what I'm going to tell you is good for whether you come here or whether you don't come here. Right? Then I tell them what I think they had to do. You told me, I'll remember it exactly, um, you don't shoot the ball very well. You don't dribble the ball that well with your left hand. You're not an expert dribbler. But if you'd like to come, we'd like to have you. Right. And no one had talked to me like that. I loved it. Well, I know one and thing. And you were right. Well, I know one thing, you can dribble the ball now. <laughs> I'm watching you show the guys how to dribble. But you know... Uh, even even there with Chris Weber, when I was in the pros, then he had to decide whether he was coming back to to uh, to Sacramento or was going to be a free agent. And so he came to the gym. In between then, I he was going to work out, and so I told him, I said, uh, work, let me work you out a little bit." And so we did. And he told guys that that was the hardest workout he ever had. I remember uh, his sneakers were wet. You could see he did work. And he, he first started by shooting a jump shot, and he was jiving. I, I went, uh, no, no. And then he got the idea that I was going to watch him carefully, and he did. And so he decided to come back, and he told people that when he decided to come back that, the, the workout I gave him, worked him out, did something. I don't know whether I did or not. And so, uh, anyway, um, that was the point that I, I made then at the time. If you decide to sign somewhere else, what I'm telling you, this is going to help you. If you decide to come here, come back here, it'll help you here. 
and so that that was it. But you know, when you first, so you talked about the NBA, you, when you first arrived in the NBA, nineteen ninety six seven, yeah. and then you were there, you know, thirteen years right, sort 13, of as an right. assistant. And, uh, in the beginning, you were with Rick Adelman. No, in the beginning, I was with uh, Is that, uh, the guy from Boston. Uh, uh, what did they call him? He said, "No, it's San Francisco." Oh, God. Gary Saint. That's it. Thanks, Gary St. Jean. Thank goodness you're here, but nah, well, I, I need <laughs> to do my research a little better. So, uh, what what well, what did you find was the the? You know, I mean, I always think all of us always felt like you'd be very good in the NBA. Anywhere you went, you could be very good. But what was it? What was the difference? The immediate difference to you? Well, well, the, and what were some of the challenges? The, the, the most challenging thing that I had to do was to prove that I knew what I was doing. Because when you're as short as I am, a little guy, and you came from an Ivy League school, what does that guy know? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you I, had to, prove, I the, had to prove myself so the, many times. In I mean, the coaching rooms and on the floor, right? Right. With the other coaches. I, mean, I, I, don't even, I don't even want to mention names because they, the outcome was bad. But I, I told a guy about fronting, about picking up a guy and... The guy starts to drive around his man, and he's guarding the big guy underneath the basket. Don't leave right away. Fake it. Hunch. Hunch a little bit. Stunt. Stunt a little bit. That's better. Stunt a little better. Make him think you're going to pick him up so you can play the pass. He said, oh, I was always taught to step up. And he stepped up. He threw the ball to his man, and he stuffed it. And we didn't make the plus. My first year there. Part of the reason why I thought you were so good here is that you're, um, and you, you mentioned it earlier, you were saying there was a clash, but that's <clears throat> when, you know, you came down to the gym, it was time to go to work with you, and you were exact, you were honest, it was very hard, because mm -hmm. you were also going to school, but it was, uh, it was the attention to detail, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you, your background was such that you've, you've, you demanded that we, we played in a certain fashion that was, you know, basically just tough. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I think that the NBA, you got a lot of guys that you're you're running up against that maybe well, from different kinds of But those guys are well, smart. We had we had a we had a good eight years there that I enjoyed because we had uh, Chris Weber, of course, was good. Vladi Divac was a great passer at center, and then you had Mike Bibby as a shooter, and and um, Paige Stajakovic, Bobby Jackson. And uh, the other guard that I keep on forgetting his name too, don't I? Doug, uh, Doug Christie. Doug Christie. That was and a great I remember team. Doug. Is, we were playing against the team, and they, the guy had 34 points or 43 points, and he was going to guard him. And he was all he was all conference defensive player, but the guy scored off him. I said, "Look, your problem is that you guard try to guard everybody. For us to win." Tomorrow night, this guy can't go 43 points. You've got to, got to be in the low 20s or a little lower than that. And for a change, I think he paid, it, he paid attention because the guy had 13. And he stayed with him. And I told him about it. I said, look, look you're, the, you're the guy that won this game. You have to understand that. But he went back his old ways the very next day. So uh, I don't know how I got to that point, but 
Well, it's hard to get through to guys, right? Yeah, that, oh, yeah, I guess so. Right. So I, I think some of your favorite players, you know, have, they uh, they stay with it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, that was good. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed uh, eight years, eight or nine years of my time there. Rick Adelman being the coach is a good guy. When you when you decided to to you know you left the NBA, um, you know you and you still watch it a lot. What, what do you see in the game? Like what well, what are the things that, that you're a very seeing? Interesting game now. You, you if you went to coach in the NBA the way I the way I'd like to see it, you'd be a failure. See, because uh, there were so many faster players, so many better shooters. And the pace of the game is so much faster. I'm, I'm worried a little bit as it goes on into the future that there's a seems to be a gentle, gentle uh, cooperation between entertainment and competition, which I don't, I don't like. It's got to be entertainment is not it. So you couldn't be entertained by the way they we play, you know. We play Penn, they yell, boring, boring, boring. Well, there's some people after, as you talk to Penn guys, they respected us trying to beat them, but the fans didn't. And that worries me about, especially professional basketball, that too many games are the same. And you got to watch it, too, that the more, the, and the football especially got to watch it, because they play three times, three times a week now. And as popular as that game can be, you get too much of it, you're going to see that it's it's going to lose something, right? And I see soccer is growing in this country nowadays, right? And the fans of Seattle are huge at fans. Even mm-hmm. the Red Bulls here are right. big, big fans. So the game has changed. Of course, the demography of, of the country has changed too. And But uh, that's, what, that's the one thing I'm worried about in the NBA. But the talent level is so good. Then... They throw the ball away a lot. And so the, what I think in keeping is sort of what I feel. Don't tell them not to pass. Pass right. Mm-hmm. So in other words, as they play and play, they're going to get better. And the style of ball is going to get better. And they're not going to make so many bad passes. Provided they don't play so many games that they don't care. And that's going to be it. But it's it's, a tra- it's it's crazy the way people are going for basketball these days, mm-hmm. which is good for me. I, yeah. I enjoy watching it. Who do you like watching the most? Well, I like watching uh, San Antonio. And, of course, I like watching uh, Golden State. And you have to enjoy watching Cleveland as they came along with him. Boston Celtics I enjoy watching. The Knicks you're going you're gonna to enjoy watching now. They got... Sky Noah, Noah, he's a terrific young. His father's a great tennis player. He's a heck of a passer and a very good defender and rebounder. He's going to be fine, just what they need. And they have Jackson. They got a, a, a coach that was a, a really a good player. So he, he knows how they have to play, and I, they'll respect him, I think. So I see them getting better. So it's going to be a, a, lot, a lot of teams you can like now. Mm-hmm. You, when so we have Kerry Kittles on staff, and when he played in the NBA, oh, you know, at the end of towards the end of his career, he played on these Nets teams yeah. with Jason Kidd as a point guard, Kenyon right. Martin, 
And uh, the assistant coach on that team was Eddie Jordan. Right. And they they ran a lot of the Princess stuff. Kerry right. talks about, right. um, you know, sort of their versions of what they were doing, which is heavily influenced by you. But do you look at some things you see and see, uh, and how do you feel when you see kind of your imprint um, wow. on the game from at the NBA level? And then I want to ask you about how do you feel about all the college coaches that have well, I think that have I, played I, for you and there's, there's, when you think right down to it. I mean, two guys are on the same team. How can they play together? You can throw the ball to the guy, or you can dribble the ball to him, right? And you can throw it to him and set a screen for him and go away. You know, playing without the ball is is the way I call you. You you can go towards the ball, go away from the ball, or clear the area, give him a chance to play. So it's not going to be that hard, you know. The hard part is, do you want to do it? You want to shoot the ball a lot? They call them ball stoppers in the game today. A lot of those guys around. But the good teams, they move the ball around. And they all they all do better. So, uh, I don't know, did I get the answer yeah, to the question? Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the what, you know, what you're describing, you know, like I sort of can say Golden State, you know, right, like, uh, right. I mean, well, San Antonio teams that we've all enjoyed right. watching. Well, the, just, the ball's moving a lot more. Well, just look at the uh, changes it made in, in Princeton basketball since you've been here. You're running the heck a lot more than we did, right? You're shooting faster, right? But the game is it's, it's still a team game. Mm-hmm. Just because you 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 play the way you're playing. And there's very few guys that, that hold the ball on, on your teams here, I notice. You, they seem to know when it's their turn to go one-on-one. That's an art itself, which you get from the coach. But they move the ball. They shoot faster. They run more. Uh, so that's fine. I mean, I enjoy watching your team practice. I enjoy watching them play, too, Right? And I enjoy watching a lot of teams, college teams play. I'm worried about San, about the Golden State team, is that they make so many shots, so many games, that it's going to become boring, seeing it. Right. It's yeah. like this. Like for example, a baseball team, they hit 20 home runs every game. After a while, the fans will be rooting for a one nothing game. Right. I mean, you've been preaching the uh, the. You know, the value of making long shots well right. before the three-point oh, yeah, line. But, you know, Steph Curry shot something like yeah. 50% from right. more than 26 feet away from the basket. Right. Uh, you know, we've never seen anything like it. Well, what happened to him is they roughed him up a little bit. <laughs> went yeah. down, down, down his percentage went. And, uh, but they'll, he'll learn from that. I mean, but uh, what I don't like is they just stuck, put another great player on their team. And so what happens is, you know, it's like a pickup game down at the playground, and the, the guy wins the, takes the five best players, and they win every game, and then they losers sit down, and they feel good about what they've done. <laughs> oh, good. But there's so much money involved now. Yeah. And more coming. That's right. <laughs> Coach, I, I, there's one of the nicest things you can say about anybody is how many people that have uh, been with, spent time with, worked for somebody... Um, and what what are those people doing now? And there's 
so many of us that have benefited from, right. um, you know, having played for you, having coached with you, you know, with you, it's, you know, the list is long. You know, you've got a lot of Division One college basketball coaches, uh, Craig Robinson, Chris right. Mooney, Mike Brennan, right, right. Brian Earl, right. myself, Sidney Johnson. Right. Um, you know, Bill Carmody was an assistant. Right. Joe Scott played for you as assistant uh, at Holy Cross. You know, Dave Blatt. Right. Having coached. And then you've got a lot of guys like Jeff Petrie that are in executive positions, right. Steve Mills with the Knicks. What what how does that make you feel? Well, you know, I don't when they mention it to me I feel pretty good. <laughs> but they each each one of them is as I've noticed is coaching in within their own framework, with their own feelings and their own philosophy, which I like. They don't they don't go around saying that it's the career system or none of that. I mean, Chris Mooney, I watched the way he plays, and he said, I don't coach, I don't know if we can play the way we played when I was at Princeton. Because in that league, it's a faster league, and, they, you know, and the clock changes everything, right? It's amazing that when you take a test, and they have a 30-minute test, and the smartest guys finish first all the time. And the ones that have a hard time reading or, or don't have good command of the subject don't ever finish, and half the papers are blank. The same thing if you, if you, uh, if if you have to go by the clock, what amount of cerebral aspects of the game are disappearing or will disappear, and that's that's something that worries me. But you know, as I said, I was eighty six the other day. I can't worry, worry about that too much. But. Well, you you've got to feel. Oh, I feel good. Well, yeah, I feel good. But I, I feel good that they're doing it. And I feel, I, I, I don't interfere. I go down to watch them. Go down to help Mike once in a while. I go down to help John. I don't. I'm just glad they're doing well. You know. Well, I know you hate you hate compliments, and right. this is. But, yeah, but, but if you so, watch them play, they coach like they played. Yeah. So that's it. You know. Well, so so much of what we all do. I know for myself is, you know, we, um, you know, I say, I say to my staff, talk the way we talk. And that's really the way you talk. Ask, what do you see? What are you thinking there? Didn't you see that? Um, and it's, you know, think about, see what you see and then, then do it. And I was, I remember your advice to me was, you know, the day I got here was be yourself. That's right. Um, and I, you know, I think when you, when you mentioned earlier, you know, you make a lot of mistakes as a coach that, you know, you're right. You make a lot, but you know, it's it's. You should know that they're all, all of us govern ourselves sort of by the things that you said and say. Well, I hope. I mean, I don't. I don't know for sure. Uh, exactly. I, I, let's uh, just say this: anything that I did for you that is good, I'm happy about. And anything that I said to you that was bad and you made it better, that's good. Yeah. So it's hard to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it like that. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on Auto Trader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> Auto Trader.